welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So my name's Micah. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor at Awaken. And usually when we have two stools up here, it's either really good news or really bad news. Either someone's leaving Awaken or someone is joining us. So I would like to introduce Jane Berg, if you would give her a warm welcome. <coughs> So many of you know, uh, we have been in a bit of a transition, <coughs> excuse me, over this past summer, and uh, we have been looking for uh, a position that we've been trying to fill, a connections and family ministry director. Uh, it's a part-time position, and we've been taking resumes and having interviews and all that, and are thrilled, cannot tell you, thrilled. I, I sat down after the first hour, and Corky, our, our advisory team chair, he goes, dude, she is a ringer. I think, we, I think we've rebounded just fine, he said, so we're super excited. Uh, so I wanted to introduce her to you and just give Jane a little bit of a chance to share uh, some things. So Jane, um, what, what does Awaken need to know about Jane Berg? Well, one thing that I think is important is I uh, got married for the first time when I was 46. My husband, my handsome husband, Ken, lost his first wife suddenly. And they had um, Matt, who was seven, and Sarah, who was 10. And God brought me into their lives via a mutual friend. And um, so I know what it's like to be single in a faith community. And I know what it's like to be married and blending a family in a faith community. And it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And yet the most valuable. Yeah. All while you were a dean at a seminary and... Uh, in grad school. Yeah, so just another day and for And I Jane. became a pastor's <clears throat> wife. Right. Which is, which is the highest accomplishment you know, anyone could ever <laughs> achieve, right? I mean, oh, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I actually had vowed that I would never marry. I meet a lot of people who say that. Yeah, I'll never marry a pastor. You know, and I think that is because so often you experience a pastor who doesn't right. value his family yeah. first. And yeah. my husband did, does. Yeah. Well, well done. I'll take cues from you later. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to rewrite that story uh, as we speak. So um, what brings you to Awaken? <clears throat> well, I saw Awaken Community online, and I thought, what is that? I mean, it sounded yeah. like a very intentional name. Yeah. And so I went online, and I was reading about it, and I thought, oh, my goodness. These values are our values. Mm. And um, I'd like to worship with these people. And then I remembered, oh, this was a job posting. Mm. So I went back to see what the job was. And, um, and I read it, and I thought, I would like to do that job. But the moment in which I knew that I wanted to do this with you all was when I met Micah for the first time face-to-face, -face, and we were in a coffee bicycle shop. Right, because those two go together. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now I know that. Right. A lot of people doing that, coffee and bikes. And I asked Micah um, to give me a few words that he felt described Awaken. And I wrote them in my journal afterwards. He said, generative, healthy, mothers, artists, and silent together. 
And I thought, yep, this is where I want to be. Hmm. And so that was the moment I knew. Yeah. I remember our first conversation. I got an email from Jane saying, I saw your job posting. Uh, here's a little bit about me. Could I send my resume? Uh, and I looked at what she'd written, and I thought, yes, please do. Uh, and got the resume, and immediately I said, Laura, Laura, get in here. Called my wife in. I'm like, look at this resume. You're not going to believe this. Like, they want to work with it. They, they might want to work at Awaken. So I, I, called, I called her immediately that night. It was like 7.30, and we talked for an hour plus and uh, spent a good two-plus hours looking at bikes and having coffee. <laughs> <coughs> Jane wants to ride one of those big, fat-tired, surly bikes, if you've seen those. So that's the one she picked out. Um, so what are you most excited about uh, with this role? Mm. I think of a couple of things. The first, the most important, is I have loved meeting uh, the Awakened staff and advisory team, and I look forward to working alongside of those people. Um, I, I sense that relationships are very important here, and that's a value I share. Yeah. We share. Yeah. And um, the other thing is... I love to help people understand how they are gifted and their talents and their strengths. And I love helping people find places where that gifting is needed and give them those opportunities. And those are two things among about a million. Hmm. I was talking to your husband, uh, Ken, the other night at St. James, and uh, he said, Jane, from the first time I met her, is always has always been about developing leaders and developing people. And uh, I am just astounded day in and day out at the people who have stepped up and are leading at Awaken. Um, <coughs> just so excited to have you a part of that process. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's going to be sweet, very sweet. Um, if you had one weekend to do whatever you wanted to do, what would you do? I would want to go to Portofino, Italy with my husband and best friend and sit on the Mediterranean and drink good coffee and eat good food and have good conversation. But before going there, now I trust this is a very long weekend. Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, it's it's how we do it. (laughs) We will fly into Rome. Yeah. And on our way to Portofino, we'll swing by the Vatican. Like you do. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like to tell Pope Francis, thank you for your humility and your compassion that makes you a pope to the world. And I'd also like to tell him that we have something in common. We both drive Priuses. (laughs) Boom. <laughs> Drop it like it's hot, Jane. <laughs> That's dynamite. Uh, well, we would love uh, to welcome each other and greet one another. Uh, greet Jane as you, as you do that, but I want to invite you to stand and greet those around you. Uh, but just a huge welcome to you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jane Beckman. I've been coming to Awaken for a little bit over a year now with my brother-in-law and sister. And we fell in love with this community right away. 
felt welcomed, felt like it was right, and happy to be here. Um, I was so thankful when Micah asked me to be a part of the Advent art series at Awaken. I was hoping for the word hope and got a little disappointed when Micah gave me peace. Um, but I actually am really glad Micah gave me peace because I realized I had to look at the peace in my life and take this time to reflect on it. Um, and through God, it, Micah gave it to me. Um, this last year has not been the most peaceful in my world. I've had a few ups and downs, and I'm happy to have this community of friends to be here for me in it. Um, but it gave me a time to find the peace within the fall and the peace of the unknown and uncertainty and knowing that God is there in the end. And you just have to trust him to be here. So thank you for letting me share this with you. And then the, uh, Jess Fanborn has the next piece. I'd like to share an Advent invitation and blessing with you. Don't be afraid, they sang into the dark. Light, brilliant, bewildering, and blinding tore through the dark night sky. Light sang, God is with us. Don't be afraid. As the flaming messengers disappeared, dark returned. Running, stumbling through the unlit hills and streets, shepherds searching, seeking, finding, shouting, overcome by God with us. Don't be afraid. Signs and wonders seen from a distance, visible only in the dark. Waiting for illumination, they set off journeying. Destination unknown. Uncertain of what exactly they were looking for, just knowing that they were supposed to go into the dark. Led by and finding God with us along the way. Don't be afraid, said the light-winged messenger, turning her world upside down, upsetting her plans and dashing her quiet dreams. God with us is growing in you, coming into this world through your blood, sweat, tears, and pain, so much pain. Plunged into dark, bewilderment and shame, mixed with wonder and hope. God with her, growing in the dark, in the in-between time, anticipating birth and light. Don't be afraid. Wait in this dark night between days. Sit in the unknowing. Wait for your eyes to adjust. When you are ready, get up and walk. Head into the in-between time where you need to rely on more than your eyes as light and faith grow within you waiting for birth. Peace be to you in the dark. Peace be to you in your unknowing. Peace be to you in your bewilderment. Peace be to you as your old dreams die. Peace be to you in your pain. Peace be to you in your waiting. Peace be to you in your seeking and in your finding. 
peace be to you as the kingdom of God grows in you. Peace be to you as this kingdom is birthed from you. May you know God with you, in you, before you, behind you, beside you, with you, in this terrifying and full of beauty dark. Don't be afraid. Today, we invite you to consider the arrival of peace. you guys join me in thanking Jess and Jane? <coughs> awesome. I love this series. Uh, if you did not know or you are new to Awaken, this is a series we do yearly, and all of the pieces that are created are available. Uh, if anyone has a connection to them, uh, one need only to speak to the artist about that. And uh, I should mention, I, I, I often forget this, but the frames that uh, the first year we did this, a guy named John Day, if you guys know John and Issa, John built all these frames uh, for this series. So they are a work of art in and of themselves. Beautiful. So thank you for that. Um, just a couple of quick, uh, not ancillary, but other notes before we get into peace and teaching. Uh, and I don't often play this card. It's sort of an ace in the hole that I have as a pastor and I try not to use it when I don't have to, but we're getting to the point where we need to. Um, Dave, and, or I should say Kathy Peterson, if you know Kathy, she's married to Dave, but she uh, faithfully coordinates our nursery uh, at Awaken, and I found out recently that her and Dave, her husband, were in the nursery nearly every Sunday in November, um, which is just not cool. Uh, and so we want to, they say that 80% of the time, people that don't volunteer either didn't know uh, that there was a need or they weren't asked. So uh, this is me informing you that there is a need at Awaken for uh, people to care and love on our little ones, I'm a- and, and this is me asking uh, you if you would consider that. So uh, I remember we used to do this thing called Everybody Sunday uh, when we first started Awaken, where we would bring all the kids in once a month to uh, the gathering, and you know, it was kind of like Everybody Sunday, right? And uh, a couple of moms were like, I hate Everybody Sunday. Can I just be honest with you? And my, life, my wife's like, that's not fun for me! So we just realized that it's a gift, you know, like for an hour on a Sunday, uh, we just want to give a gift to parents to not have people hanging off their pant legs. Uh, and so if you want to help give that gift, uh, we would, I would really appreciate it. Uh, I know Kathy would really appreciate it. So if you can talk to her, uh, Kathy at Awaken Community or Issa at Awaken Community. So that's that. Uh, the other piece I want to just let you know about is uh, St. James. So this last week we had two um, gatherings and tours uh, vision casting tours at the new space uh, on Wednesday and Saturday. And I think over 100 people ended up showing up to these, which was fantastic, super cool. Um, and I wanted to just share with you uh, what I shared with them. This is in part a, an, uh, uh, an effort at Awaken to raise funds to make this transition happen. Uh, a lot of things need to go on over there to be able to move. And so I want to just invite you, if you are not giving at Awaken yet, and you call this place home, and this is your community of faith, um, just a... a a pastoral reminder and encouragement to, to give, to Awaken. Uh, we don't sell a product at market, and so the vision of Awaken lives and dies by the people who, who believe in it and who give to it. So I want to invite you to that. And if you, all, if you do give to Awaken, would you consider giving a gift, a year-end gift, to this transition at, to make St. James happen? Um, a, a lot of us are uh, involved in this, and it's going to take all of us to be a part of that. So if it's 5 bucks, if it's $10, if it's $100, um, I want to invite you to consider that and, and, uh, and ask the Lord if, if there's something that you could give to that. 
There's a couple ways you can do that, uh, certainly here when you come, but then also online. We've set up a special banner on the front page of the, the website that'll take you to a site that all the funds that are given there go to St. James. So if you could help with that, that would be awesome. We would appreciate it. Um, if you have your Bibles, in, I invite you to turn to Numbers chapter 6. Um, and while you do, so this series, it's usually four weeks, five weeks for us, uh, the four Sundays in Advent, and four words connected to them. We've explored peace, well, like, sorry, uh, peace this day. We've explored love and joy, and this morning we'll talk about peace. And Advent is this season in the church calendar. It's about waiting and hoping and anticipating. It's about longing. Uh, much like those who were first on the scene when Jesus was born, there had been 400 years of silence for the people of God who were waiting and hoping and wondering when and if God would speak again and then this moment. And so Advent is an invitation to sort of set up camp right next to our longing and our desire and even our heartbreak and our brokenness, which oftentimes we steer, we take a left before we get to that point. Uh, and so I want to invite you, I want to remind us that Advent is about, the, it's, it's about the full experience of tension and then release of Advent and Christmas. It's, it's both. Um, so we want to invite you to that. Numbers chapter 6, I'll invite you to stand as we read the scriptures. Says this in number 6, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face on you, or the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Pray with me. God, as we gather this morning amidst a season where we intentionally pause and stop and spend time around the longings and the desires of our hearts, where we pay attention to the hopes and the dreams that are in us, that we hope are also in you for your world, for our world. God, as we gather this morning and we look at this word peace, would you come in a way that we can see you and hear you and sense you and know you? Would you be ever-present to us as people, as a community of your people in the world. Uh, we pray this, and all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. So number six, it's the ironic blessing. If you've been to a funeral or a church, oftentimes you hear it this way, may the Lord bless you and keep you, right? The, the blessing at the end. Uh, it, not the most common Advent passage uh, I, I, I recognize, but this series is a bit of a challenge for a guy like me or people like me in my position because it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's like words or ideas in search of a text. Uh, a lot of times it's easier to, to sort of come to a book of the Bible like, hey, we're going to study Romans or we're going to study Matthew. And so you look at Matthew 1 and you preach the text. Whereas in this, it's like hope. Preach a sermon on hope or peace. And so I go to the scriptures and I look and I scour and try to find something that makes sense to talk about in terms of peace. And so this week I was, I was taken by this ironic blessing. And if you don't know the history of this, there's 12 tribes of Israel. They come from the, the father who is Jacob, whose name is then changed to Israel. Uh, and one of the tribes of Israel is Levi. 
And the Levites are the tribe from which all of the priests of Israel were to come from. And so anytime you would come to the temple, anytime you would worship, anytime you would take part in Israelite worship or, or community worship in Israel, you would be you would uh, you were you were served by the Levites, the priests of Israel, and so the Scripture says the Lord said to Moses, "Tell Aaron, who is one of the Levites, this is how you are to bless Israel. Say to them, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you." So that's where this comes from, and I want to really pull three threads here this morning, three strands, and there are three words in the Aaronic blessing. They are bless, keep. And peace. In Hebrew, these words are Baruch, Shamar, and Shalom. Three different words that we find in this passage, and I want to sort of pull on those. Um, and, and I would say maybe first, we'll take peace first off. If you don't, and I've said this before uh, in past years, but if you don't get peace, I would suggest that you cannot understand the scriptures. If you don't understand what the Bible means when it says peace, you miss out on an absolutely critical lens and key to unlock what the scriptures are doing. So let's unpack that just a little bit. What is peace? I grew up with a family of five boys. So peace was the absence of blood or the absence of you know somebody throwing something at another or beating up another person. Uh, hockey sticks were fair game in our household. I once had a pencil sharpener, not the kinds that you put in your backpack, but the ones you, you attach to a desktop. You remember those ones? I had one of those thrown at me by my brother. So peace is the absence of pencil sharpeners being thrown. But peace is more than that. It's not just the absence of conflict or, you know, uh, if we're not at war in, in America, we are at peace, right? It's a time of peace. It's, it's bigger than that. It's more than that. It's not just about political relationships or interpersonal relationships. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 begin the Bible. And in 1 and 2, you find this picture, this sort of setup for the rest of the scriptures. And in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, you find God and everything that we experience around us, the people and the world that we live in, coming from the hand of and the voice of and the heart of God, being fashioned and articulated by and made by God, this is why generosity is one of our values, because it's not just about money, but rather it's about the generous heart of God that gives and creates. So everything is coming from God, and everything emanates from and is articulated and formed by God's hand. And this, what this is, Genesis 1 and 2, the Hebrew people would call peace, shalom. It's where everything that God has made is working together in harmony, where there isn't anything that's out of place, or there are no dissonant notes that are being played for those music people in the room. It's about harmony. It's about everybody singing in harmony and their part in the score. It's about our relationship with God being as it should. It's about our relationship with each other being as it should, and it's, it's about our relationship with the world God made, all being in proper relationship. It's peace. Shalom. Tim Keller, one author, says it's universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. If flourishing is about the optimal range of human experience, it's like the, it's the best. It's about generativity. It's about uh, uh, growth, flourishing, wholeness. Wholeness is about completeness. Everything is there. Nothing is lacking. And delight is, is uh, like the giggle of a toddler, you ever heard 
Right? We have these friends, they have uh, a little girl named Ruby, and last year, actually, I got her on video, I got her on film, because her, it, when she laughs, it's like this belly giggle, and it is, that's, that's delight. Universal, flir- universal for everyone. No one is excluded. This is what peace is. This is shalom. Nobody is excluded from flourishing wholeness and delight. This is God's good world, and this is where the Bible begins. And interestingly, this is where the Bible ends. This is Revelation 21. This is the new Jerusalem coming down out of the sky, which is a metaphor, a picture, a beautiful picture of God's hopes and dreams for God's good world coming to be real forever and ever. So this is where the Bible begins, and this is where it ends, and I would suggest that everything in between is attempting to address Shalom or the lack thereof in our world. So if you don't get peace when the Bible says and God, that God would give you his peace, you miss out on everything that the scriptures is talking about. This is, this is the key, in my opinion. Isaiah 6, 9, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. You've probably heard this around Christmas time. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I can hear my grandparents in the choir. Everlasting Father! You know, you remember that one, right? <laughs> we were at, at, this choir, at this choir concert the other day. You know, the conductor's up there doing this thing. I don't even know what they, it's like this, right? John Mark, help me out here. And Lyndon, my little six-year-old, I look down and she's, she's over there going. She's following the conductor with the little hands, you know, like in time. And I was like, Bam! Okay, Prince of Peace, right? Prince of Peace. This is where the Bible begins. This is where it ends. This is what it's all about. So what is peace? It's God's hopes and dreams for the world. It's what Christmas is intending to bring. Shalom. The second word I want to pull on is shamar, to guard. May the Lord bless you and keep you, to keep to preserve, to protect, shamar. Now, in the scriptures, when we want to find out what a word really means or, or the richness of it, you want to always go back to where it was first used. The first usage of a word often will, will tell you how to help, or help you interpret it going forward. So if you look in the Bible, uh, shamar, to guard, is first found in Genesis 2.15, where we read, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Two words there, work and take care of. Uh, these words are, could be translated work, serve, worship, and protect, uh, keep, or guard, which is to say uh, to participate. Or, or Adam and Eve's first invitation by God is to work and or worship or serve and guard, protect, keep the garden which of course is a symbol and metaphor and a place of shalom. It's where the peace of God, it's where the shalom of God actually is real. So the invitation of God to humanity in the, in the scriptures, in the beginning, is to protect, enable, care for, steward, work towards, make space for shalom. Keep it, guard it, shamar it which is so very interesting because the next time we find this word is Genesis chapter 4, if you remember this story of Cain and Abel, where we read this. 
Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Anybody ever said that to their mom or dad before? Where is your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? I actually said that to my mom once. Am I my brother's keeper? Keeper. What's the word? Shamar. Listen to his question. Am I my brother's guard? Is the shalom of my brother or sister my concern? Is your flourishing wholeness and delight as the other my concern? I mean, that's his question. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to care for that? Which is a very interesting question, and I would suggest it's the question that humanity has been asking since then. And our world would prove it. Because so often we say, no, I'm my own keeper. My, my own personal, individual rights, freedoms, liberties, I protect those at all costs. But yours? Eh, secondary on the list, right? Me first, then you. That's not what the scriptures is inviting us to. In fact, there are a couple of stories that would lead us to believe that. I'll just highlight them if you want to read them later. Genesis chapter 32, we find the story of Jacob, who becomes Israel, and his 12 sons, Joseph being one of them. He did have a technicolor dream coat, in fact. So Jacob, Israel, is the father, and there's this interesting moment in Genesis 37 where his brothers are off in a field doing what they do, shepherding and caring for the the flocks, and the father sends the son whom he ahavaz, whom he loves, it says in Genesis 37, to go and seek the guess what of his brothers. It says in your scriptures, like see to the welfare or see how well your brothers are doing. The word in in the Hebrew is see to the shalom of your brothers. So, okay, get this. So you have a father who has a son whom he loves that he sends into harm's way to see to the shalom of his brothers and sisters fascinating. If you skip forward to 1 Samuel chapter 17, another famous character, and by the way, Genesis, the largest narrative in the book of Genesis is Joseph. So one of the dominant um, uh, uh, parts, the biggest uh, sort of blinking light in in the narrative of Joseph is this question of, go see to the shalom of your brothers. And this is where, of course, it all goes bad for Joseph because then they throw him in a well, they sell him off to slavery. And yet still, even in the midst of that, we find Joseph seeing to the shalom of his brothers because who is it who brings them back and gives them food when they're in Egypt? But Joseph, who's acting like Israel should. That's a whole other sermon. So 1 Samuel 17, you have David, who is the son of Jesse. He has a number of brothers, if you remember this story, where they come and they're about to anoint a king and they line up all of Jesse's sons and they're like, is it this one? No, it's not that one. Oh, that one's pretty. That one's beautiful. He's athletic. It's got to be one of these. No, it's not any of these, he says. Do you have any more sons? And then they're like, oh yeah, that afterthought, David, who's out in the field, bring him in. So they bring David in and sure enough, they anoint him as king. And later in the story, the sons of Jesse are at war. And what does Jesse the son do or the father do with David the son? but ask him to go and see to the shalom of his brothers who are out at battle. 
And 10 to 1, you know where I'm going next. But what do we find in Christmas? God the Father sending the Son whom he loves to see to the shalom of his brothers and sisters. I think that the scriptures would say to the question of Cain in Genesis chapter 4, am I to be concerned about my brother and my sister's shalom? The answer is yes. Yes, we are. And so this Christmas, this Advent, can I invite you to consider what it would look like for you and for me to be concerned with the shalom, the peace, the flourishing wholeness and delight of somebody other than ourselves. And may I also suggest that if we're to care for and steward and nourish and nurture the shalom of others, that we cannot do so until we ourselves have received the peace of God. And we can work and we can do all kinds of things in the name of or, or all with well intentions, even intentions that line up with gospel, with scripture, with what God's hopes and dreams are. But I want to suggest that there's a limit, there's a capacity to our humanity and our brokenness that, in, that is in every single one of us. And we cannot truly care for the shalom and nurture the shalom of our brother and our sister until we receive from God the peace that he offers in Christ. Which is interesting because the last word, bless, Baruch. Most Hebrew blessings begin with Baruch Adonai Eloheinu. Blessed are you, Lord our God. The word bless, the root of it means to kneel. So when someone receives a blessing in the scriptures, this is the picture. It's about receiving. It's about vulnerability. This is how you receive grace. You don't stand up for it. You don't work for it. You don't try to do something to get it. This is a a posture of humility, recognizing that it's a gift that comes to you. So as we enter this season where gifts are given and received, what does it mean to give and receive gift? What does it mean to receive from someone else without feeling indebted, without putting that little tick in your mind, that little tally mark on your score sheet that says, oh yeah, I owe them one. Oh, they invited us to dinner. When will we invite them to dinner? Is it possible to really truly receive a gift as a gift? Because that's the good news. That's the gospel of the scriptures. That what God gives It is a gift. Nothing to do with your ability or your work or your effort or your holiness or your striving and your achieving and your status or your position or your financial. It comes to all. Universal, flourishing, wholeness, and delight. So as you consider what it looks like to pay attention to, to care for the peace of somebody else, if you've never received that peace yourself, I would encourage you to start there and maybe even receive it again today anew, afresh, because we wander, don't we?
Maybe we know, but need to be reminded. So I want to invite John Mark and the team to come. And we're actually going to close with, uh, I just want to lead you in a time of prayer. Uh, when we gather, we want to try to set the table with all kinds of different ways to, to encounter and hear God. And so I want to lead you in a time of prayer. Often in the Psalms, you'll find a refrain that the psalmist will sing or say. And so we'll, John Mark will teach us this refrain that we'll sing, and then I'll lead you in a time of prayer connected to peace in a couple different areas. And we'll pray, and we'll sing, we'll pray, and we'll sing. And we'll just close in that way. My friends, awaken. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Love you guys. Grace and peace. See you next week. online at com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.